When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. How are you, Steve? I'm well. I'm well. I'm slightly trepidatious because just (laughs) before the recording of this podcast, our boss, the boss of bosses... (laughs) Yes, indeed. uh, Simon uh, came in and said... uh, He's just come back from Japan, hasn't he? He said, you tell us about his holiday in Japan, which sounded lovely. It did. And then he said, uh, just so you know, I'm, I've, I'm subscribed to your podcast now. And we went, oh. Oh. So the concept this week is going to be very different from normal. Less, uh, less wanging on about nonsense and more serious stuff. Yes. Hello, Simon. <laughs> um, we will, of course, get to the news very shortly, because we know that a lot of our listeners, Steve, come here for the news. They do come for the news. Um, We've actually got a listener to our podcast in the studio with us, haven't we? we Which is actually, I say the studio, it's my office. (laughs) Yes. Yes, And my my son is here writing his, um, one of his pieces of work for a university. But this will not phase us, because we're used to performing uh, in front of a live live audience now, aren't we, Steve? We are. Uh, We will also, we, I say we, I mean you, you're going to be speaking to Matt Kelly. Yes, I've got, I've been able to source an, inc- an incredible exclusive interview <laughs> with the former editor of the New European. It is a, a scoop of, of huge proportions. Yes, the media world is waiting for us to go live on this podcast so they can follow up on it, I have no doubt. Uh, but if you don't know by the print edition of the New European, you've probably not seen why uh, Matt is, um, is uh, moving aside. Um, uh, in, and Jasper Copping has taken over as the editor of the New European. So we'll be talking about that. Matt's also doing a podcast with uh, Mike Graham, yeah. the well-known Brexiteer, I think it's fair to say. He's on talk radio. He's a very entertaining man uh, with whom I disagree about just about every, everything. But but just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that they should be cast aside from your life. Absolutely not. And uh, and I, 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 do, uh, I do like uh, Mike Graham very much. Um, and w- also we'd, we'd be running through some sort of election scenarios. Um, but you also want to talk about election scenarios well, I'll just on touch Boris on, Johnson. I'll just touch on it. But then, uh, and then, of course, we will crown a Brexiteer of the week. Well, yes. We Fantastic will. news. Yes. Uh, so let's rewind then to Super Saturday. Well, it wasn't that super, was it, no. in the end? No, it wasn't really, was it? It was, i tell you what was super. It was super if you went on the march. Yes, I hear lots of good things. I wasn't there myself, sadly. But, um, yes, I heard, lots, I heard it was, it was a good, good do. It was an excellent, an excellent time was had by all. And, again, I think, uh, th- I mean, there were some, weren't there, 
issues about um, MPs getting shouted at and stuff. But I'd, but it wasn't that robust, I didn't think. No, I didn't think so, and um, and I don't, didn't think it. You know, I mean, if you if you had picked up the pro Brexit papers. Uh, on Sunday and Monday, all you would have read about was uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg's son being harassed by protesters and not the fact that up to a million people once again took to the streets of London. And, it, and you know, I think it was... Um, it, it seems like the march was a little bit... Uh, you know, marchers were, were quite unsure about how things were going to turn out on Super Saturday, and then it turned into a bit of a par- more of a party <laughs> atmosphere uh, once um, once uh, Boris Johnson's Super Saturday turned into Shambles Saturday. Shambles Saturday, and then we had what did they call Tuesday? Well, what was that going to be? I can't remember now. It's it's all been a bit of a haze. Was, su- this week. was it Super Tuesday as well? <laughs> it was something like Terrific Tuesday. Terrific Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> What about it's Wednesday? Woeful Wednesday. Woeful Wednesday. Um, Thicko Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Sorry about that, Simon, if you're listening. Um, and then, um, well, I, I think we could just stop at Friday. Yes. Let's let's not even go there. By, by Friday. What, what did Craig David get to on? What did he do on Friday? Well, didn't somebody say that Craig David, you know, it took him... It took him about the same amount of time. He met a girl on Sunday and they were making love by Wednesday and and that was sort of the timetable that Boris Johnson proposed, wasn't it? So on Tuesday evening, um, I watched the votes come through in a hospital, actually, with my sick son. He's going to be fine, don't worry. Thank you to all the staff at Ipswich General Hospital. Um, And it was good news for Boris, which I think we kind of expected by that point, didn't we? And then bad news for Boris. Yes, we did. I don't think we expected the scale of which uh, the second reading of the withdrawal bill passed. Um, We didn't expect it to be... It was 30, wasn't it? Yeah, 30. Why Uh, do you think that is, then? Well, I think there are quite a lot of Labour... I mean, there are a lot of Labour MPs from Leave-supporting areas who were very eager to, to have their names put next to the idea that they tried to... Uh, to coin a phrase, get Brexit done. Yeah. Um, but equally, uh, we knew quite a lot of them would do what they did next, which was vote, vote against the programme motion, thus scuppering Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings' ruse to get this through before anybody had really read the fine print. And um, and the, the second thing to remember is that a lot of them, when it comes to the third reading of the bill, which is basically when it becomes That's right. passed into law... Yeah. Um, they won't be lining up in in, in that uh, in that lobby. Then they won't be voting for it. I think we can say that with with some certainty. So this is this for me. Not in its present in its present form. Yes, yes. So th- this for me seemed like a bit of a misstep by by Boris Johnson. <laughs> Another one. Um, yes. Because again, we saw we saw Theresa May do it, and we've seen Boris Johnson do it. Put in deadlines and time limits on this. Yes, because they want to be the one that goes. I got Brexit done. Yeah. Now, well, they, they wanted to get Brexit done to coin it. To coin it, <laughs> we keep saying get Brexit. That's done. what this they is, want us to do. This is like Boris Johnson. <laughs> now. Do you know that? Do you know that? Tom, when it comes, is in the studio. <laughs> I, I actually stopped counting after Super Saturday, Shambles Saturday. But he has said, get the Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland has said at the dispatch box has said, get Brexit done. I mean, he said it even more times now. As many times as we have. But including, up to Saturday, he'd said it 41 times. 
in the, in the House of Commons. I mean, you know, countless times on social media, in TV interviews. And the, the, surely the power of... Boris Johnson is a fan of Winston Churchill, isn't he? He wrote, he wrote a terrible book about <laughs> Winston did, Churchill, yeah, which suggested in some ways that he was quite himself was quite like Winston Churchill, you know. And surely the power of Winston Churchill was that when he said these things, he said them once, didn't he? And they were really good and people remembered them. And Boris Johnson, I know, you know, I know it's a different time and I know, you know, we know a lot more about the power of sloganeering and advertising and all of that kind of stuff and repetition, but it's just drivel, isn't it? You just said, saying, get Brexit done, get Brexit done, get Brexit done, that is not leadership. I think that this is our 127th, 28th podcast yes. and our listener figures go up and up. Yes. This is a success story. Yes. And you've said hello snowflakes How well many over times. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is as meaningless in its own way as get, but it's more inclusive than get Brexit done. You might as well have one of those Teddy Ruxpin dolls as prime minister. Do you remember Teddy Ruxpin? I do. He was a talking. So. He was a teddy bear, and he used to move his little lips. And you I put a, you put a cassette in him. That's right. You did. And he moved, his back. And basically, all you, Dominic Cummings could just record. <laughs> A cassette of Dominic Cummings saying, get Brexit done, get Brexit done. Put it in the back of Teddy Ruxpin, <laughs> press play, and he could come to the dispatch box, and it would just be the same as Boris Johnson. Do you know what? He'd do a better job. It would, it would do a better job. Pal of mine what do you also think Ruxpin's view of hospitals <laughs> is? How many? <laughs> we'll put the hospital's cassette in there. Brexiteer, pal of mine, yeah. who listens to the pod... And, and, and likes it. Yeah. So you see how we can be inclusive we again? We are inclusive. Do you know what we're doing? We're healing the country. We are. Uh, he His nickname at college was Teddy Ruxpin. Oh, lovely. Did he look like Teddy he Ruxpin? He did. Well, someone thought he did. He didn't didn't last long. He's, he's not still called that as a 40-year-old man. Uh, where were we? Oh, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson, yeah. Uh, so, so we've gone past Super Shambles Saturday. And we're on to Tuesday now. Of course, the night before... Tips up eight, Tuesday. It was 8 o'clock, eight o'clock wasn't it? Sorry, um, Sutton. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it was eight o'clock, I think, when they published the WAB. Yes. The Withdrawal Act bill. Yes. Um, and 110 pages of legalese. Yes. Uh, 125 really pages of explanations. Um, and I loved that everyone was adamant. It's not the Da Vinci Code, is it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did you read that? I did read the Da Vinci Code. I, I, everyone in it was the world. A page turner on, on we, like the WAB. But I was, I was like, oh god, everyone's reading the Da Vinci Code on the tube. I hate it. I'm never going to read it. And then the missus went, you should read this. It's quite good fun. Like first sentence, and you've got to finish it, haven't you? Yeah. And then you feel, I've got to have a shower now when you finish it. I've got to say those those. I have read more than one Dan oh Brown novel. Oh my god, novel. you've read more Dan Brown And, um, and <laughs> what else have you they, read? They really are what the Kindle app on your phone is made for. Because <laughs> you, you really do not want to be seen well, clutching a Dan Brown. Yeah, it's a bit like, um, I guess it's a bit like Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, exactly. Which you've also read. I have also read Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you know the story about Friend of This Pod and New European... Um, uh, production editor Mark Kindle, who of course coined the phrase uh, uh, Lasagna and beans. beans. Yeah, no, I don't. We um, we found a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey in the New European newsroom. Oh yeah, and we left it on his desk. He was on holiday. He just sat there for weeks. Yeah, and uh, w w when he came back, we thought he'd be dead embarrassed, but instead he just picked it up and started reading aloud. <laughs> 
We had to stop him. <laughs> Goodness me. Legend. Goodness me. So, um, we had the web. I loved on the Today programme on Tuesday morning, everyone had read it and understood every single word of it. Yeah, that's right. Um, Apart from Kevin Fitzpatrick, is he called? He, the Labour he, MP. He hadn't read it. He hadn't, But he said, I'm still going to vote for it. <laughs> I haven't read it. I'm not going to read it. I'm still going to vote for it. And then we had, of course, the timetable vote, which was, yes. I- I- in my opinion, y- you know, sensible. But before we get onto that, but it's an, it's a, a self-inflicted wound, isn't it? Uh, it is. It is. I've got some very strong views on it, Steve. Oh, it's, are we going to hear them? But first, we're going to hear them. But first, in the internet age, I'm sure you'll agree. It is easy to feel like you have all the freedom in the world. Yes. That is not true. Because the truth, however, is that we've never been monitored more by governments, ISPs and ad companies. In fact, all UK internet service providers, including BT or Sky, have to keep records of your online activity for 12 months. One year, Steve. One year. This includes all the websites you visit, apps you use and your private conversations. It doesn't matter if you're suspected of a crime or not. The government can look into you without a warrant. That's why I, and now you, Steve... Yes. ...protect my privacy online with ExpressVPN. Whether you're at home, on a public Wi-Fi, ISPs are recording your internet activity, and if you don't want them or the police snooping on your data, you have to use a VPN. It's not just people in the UK who need to be worried... Our listeners in the US should be as well. Because there, ISPs can even sell your data to advertising companies. ExpressVPN is easy to use. Just download the app on your computer or phone, click connect, and voila, you are protected. You use the internet just like you normally would, but with ExpressVPN, your data is encrypted and your IP address is then masked. I never go online without ExpressVPN. You shouldn't either. So to protect your online activity today like I did, and find out how you can get three months free, log on to expressvpn.com slash Brexit. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Brexit for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Brexit to learn more. I'll try and not trip over my words. I as can't much from believe now. that you you did all that straight <laughs> off. You did all that straight off the top of your head as well. Uh, well, I'm really into it. Incredible! You know so much about VPNs now. It's, I really do. You're like a VPN encyclopedia. Uh, uh, the encyclopedia <laughs> VPNica. Anyway, I am. And do you want to just go through it again? I, I did miss some of the early stuff there. Anyway, it's very useful. And it I, is very useful, and the new European endorses it. The new European podcast, we I endorse, endorse it. it. It's endorsed by you it's and me by and the new European podcast, and that's it. Good. Um, so, after that first vote, we had the time frame vote, which you rightly suggest is um, self-imposed, kick up the arse. And yeah, another another weird, unforced error. Yeah. Because because of this desperation, and that's what I was trying to get to earlier, is uh, deadlines, and we've got to do it for political reasons, where actually Boris could have just gone, they've backed my bill, that's more than they did for Theresa May, we're on the road to getting this sorted, and for me to be victorious. Yes. But it might take a little bit longer. Well, I mean, talk about managing expectations. No, 
as as he has said, and his supporters have said, and they are right. Nobody expected Boris Johnson to get the EU to reopen the withdrawal agreement, change the withdrawal agreement, get rid of the backstop, any of that, get a deal in the first place, right? And we're going to talk about how he did that and you know why it was such a surprise in a second. Um, he could then quite promises promise. He could then, couldn't he? quite reasonably have said everything has changed now you didn't expect me to get this I didn't really expect it either it's a new spirit of cooperation between me and the EU therefore you know I'm sorry I know I said October the 31st but this is a great deal that we think Parliament is going to sign off on the EU have signed off on it I think it's brilliant it's just going to take another couple of months to I, sort out I, I would if I was advising Boris well, I'll tell you what, here's a freebie, Boris. I would say, if for anyone who says, you said we'd leave before on October 31st, say, well, for all intents and purposes, yeah, we are. Yeah. Be done with it. Absolutely. They, he's painted himself into a corner in much the same way that Theresa May did. Um, and, you know, politicians, they won't be told. Or is this... Dominic Cummings and his Udar. Well, <laughs> yeah. Dominic Cummings getting inside your Udar. In the Udar. What is the Udar? It stands for, uh, let me get this right, observe, orient. Yep. Like don't observe, observe and orient. not like, don't just watch <laughs> Lake and Orient. That's not what you mean. Observe, orient. Is it decide D- and decide act? Decide and act, yes. And basically that is the loop that Decision people do. Decision action, I think. Yeah. But yeah, and if you can get inside their loop, you can disorientate them. And so if I used, was to suddenly... It's used by... Go, it was invented by... Start singing snooker loopy now, you, I would be inside your Udar. And it was, it, wasn't it invented to be the decision-making process of a pilot? Yes, a it's... A fighter pilot, is uh, that right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's... T- it's t- isn't it twisted from the act of war and then some American general got hold of it? Right, okay. Um, I believe. I'm sure James Ball's article mentions it in the New European It does, it leads, it leads with it. So that's oh, in right. the print edition cool. this week. But essentially it is, yeah, so you're developing strategy all of the time in these, this four-stage process. And then you rinse and repeat, don't you? You then go back to the start and keep doing it. And that's his evolving strategy. Now, it was... Air Force Colonel John Boyd. John Boyd? Yeah, and it was for a pilot, you're quite right. Oh, there you go. And I guess it's if they're in a dogfight or whatever. Yes, exactly. Do something yeah, you're not yeah, expecting, yeah. like Maverick, when he flies over him and gives yeah. him the bird. Or like Airwolf, where he goes upside down. <laughs> Airwolf. That's brilliant show, Airwolf. A I helicopter that, that went was... upside down. And also, a helicopter that... Was just put, they were just putting the footage on fast forward to make it look like it were going super fast. It was brilliant, it? yeah. What was the guy in Airwolf called? Or was it Blue Thunder that went upside down? There were sort of two competing helicopter franchises at the, the same time. The early to mid 80s were obsessed with souped up vehicles, weren't they? Well, they were obsessed with helicopters, and they, didn't we, we've discussed this before, haven't we? Not on the podcast, I don't think, but I it's think, definitely a discussion we will have had. I think we've had this discussion. I think somebody said, why were all these, these helicopter things why did all of these happen and they said it was to sate the desire for to see helicopters for people who came back from vietnam oh, and went right. oh what i tell you what i really miss is seeing helicopters <laughs> and hearing right. the planes let's let's do let's do some shows there was that film air america wasn't there with yeah. mel gibson robert downey yeah. jr about yeah. helicopter pilots yeah 
So that was, and that was I it. am fascinated by helicopters, but I've never been in one, and I've got to an age now where so if Simon Max, sh- if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. you could make helicopter. Richard's dream come true. Um, well, I, but yeah, now the I'm worried. Helicopter, that's a good idea. Yeah, get that one through the accounts department. Yeah, let's see here. <laughs> What's this rather large transport? <laughs> the bulge copper. The and bulge it's from S- Sikorsky. <laughs> Other helicopter manufacturers are available. If you would like to sponsor the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now I'm worried. I, was, I did some embed training with the army. This you is a true some, story. You did some embed training. This is not me about army. to tell you how great the Marines okay, are as you join up. This is. Um, I did some embed training with the army during the Iraq war. Yes. And I was supposed to, um, I was working for another media company at the time. Okay. And I was supposed to go out to Iraq. That didn't happen, that's another story. But um, I went off to do like war games in Canada. Oh, right. Okay. It was really fascinating. And I was supposed to go up in these choppers and do like, yeah. they're called gazelles. The I don't little know. Ones. And, um, and then some some sort of jobsworth came along and went, oh, Mr. Porritt, I've checked your insurance and you can't actually fly with us today. So I never ended up going in that helicopter and I've never been in one. But now I'm worried, as a 40-year-old man, that if I do, it'll be like that song by Lance Morissette. Oh, yeah. The guy who flew for the first time. And then... Isn't it? Yeah. So, Just a bit. So I'm a bit worried about choppers it. now. Um, were we talking of choppers? Dominic Cummings... Dom Cum. Um, he, that's a bad nickname it is for him, really, isn't it? Yeah. I love these pictures in the New European this week of him as a, smoking, as a younger man. Self, so ostentatiously smoking outside, as a 21-year-old. Also Buckingham Palace. Yes, it's very good. Yeah. Um, Rebel. His hair was amazing, wasn't it? It was, he looks uh, smarter then, though, than he does yeah, now. He's he got did, a jacket yeah. on, hasn't he? Uh, and he wants no action. Well... I can't help thinking that Dominic Cummings is is the the author. He does want an election, but I can't help thinking he's also the author of the three day. Let's get this all week. rushed through. Yeah, <laughs> well, the three day bill week. Let's get this all rushed through in three days. Yes, absolutely. We can do it all. We can get Brexit done by the well, October third. This and other things that have uh, have have happened definitely fit within the. Um, theory of getting in your udar. Well, exactly, it um, does. Getting yeah. in Corbyn's udar. Yeah, sounds like a sort of Russian-built, mass-produced, state-produced car, doesn't it? I climbed into my <laughs> udar and drove to my dacha. So, um, one ally of the prime minister told the press this week, Dom would love one. He's we weren't in a bar. He was talking about the yeah. election, um, and he's driving the argument towards it. Uh, I, I liked this. Quote from a minister when asked um, how how that whether the Tories should should go for an election and how what would happen we'd cream it we'd cream it yeah that's good I, I like you know like like the shaving foam last week yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. Um, with or without a deal so there is there is quite a lot of confidence on Tories but uh, Julian Smith uh, Northern Ireland Secretary not happy about this is he well there's there's a split isn't there there's so there's Dominic Cummings who wants an election immediately. Do you think he's just sat in the corner of going, election, 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 election? And, and his plan from the start, and it's the plan that we expected, we didn't expect there to be a deal. He, he is the author of the plan that we expected, which was to push for a no deal until frustrated by Parliament and then demand a general election. And he's demanding, a, even when they had Seamus Milne and Corbyn in uh, to discuss the, the timetable, uh, Again, after it failed on Wednesday morning, it was yeah, wasn't that's it? That's right. He, yeah. he said to him, back, they invited them in, and he started banging the table and going, "We want an election." 
Election, um, election. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Sheamus versus Dominic Cummings. Wow. And so he wants to set up a people versus the parliament election. Yeah, what, that's has, what has scuppered all this is that somewhere in the background, I think probably largely discounted by Dominic Cummings, clearly not unknown to Dominic Cummings, is that they did do a deal. And this guy, John Bew, who is Boris Johnson's uh, foreign policy advisor, isn't uh-huh. he? Foreign affairs advisor, rather, in case he's had some foreign affairs. <laughs> not with his, anyway, let's go there. And David Frost, hello, good evening and welcome, <laughs> is what he says. That's his icebreaker at the start of all negotiations. Ah, uh, through the keyhole. One for the kids, that was great, through the keyhole, wasn't Brilliant. it? Loved it. Uh, and, um, and, and they went and pieced this deal together, and now... People like Julian Smith, who is uh, who is Julian Smith, Northern Ireland Secretary. That's right, Northern Ireland Secretary. Yeah. People like Eddie Lister, I love the name Eddie Lister. Is it's so good that they call him Eddie Lister and not Sir Edward Julian Udney Lister, <laughs> which is his real name. Uh, and he is he was Johnson's advisor when he was the mayor. Mm-hmm. He was Johnson's advisor when he was in the Foreign Office. And he used to be the leader of Wandsworth Council. He was the leader of Wandsworth Council for about 25 years, I think. I think, 20 that's, right. Years. I think that's right. Uh, so these guys are known as the Sensibles, which makes, which makes, um, uh, which makes nobody come into the not Sensibles, if you like, early sort of punk records. Uh, <laughs> and uh, some cabinet ministers, Julian Smith, Dominic Cummings, some Tory donors are saying, what we want, what we don't want is an election. We want a play this out a little bit and see if we can uh, get this actually get this bill through and not unchanged. Yeah, and in a second... We'll talk about the we'll changes. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about my favourite group of Tories, the One Nation group of Tories. The One Nation group of Tories. One Nation sound like a boy band, don't they? I think they sound like a... Um, that was One I think, Nation. I think they'd, be, they'd have a female lead singer and they'd pretend to play instruments. I think they'd be more of the sort of the... Turtlenecks and stools job, you? you know. Do that you? was to make you feel my love by <laughs> One Nation. <laughs> that is one of their one of their better ones. It is good, yeah, yeah. When they, they, yeah, they do the, the balladeering is is the best. It is good, yeah. And do you know what? Who's in the one? There's less of the One Nation Tories now, isn't there? Because he's sacked them all from the Tories. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yes, that's true. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what makes me want to sing on a stool? <laughs> Many things. Is it free beer? It's free beer. We've got some more free beer. We have courtesy of beer. Courtesy of beer 52. How does that offer sound to you, though, listener? Because it's not just us they're going to give free beer to. They want to give free beer to you. You and you and you and you. When I do this, I point at the mic. You. Do you want free beer? All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash new. Just need to cover the postage, it's four ninety five, and they will send you a box of beer. And if you sign up now, you get two extra free beers. So that's ten it, free beers. It is in bottles. Could've, it's not just mass. a box of beer. Oh <laughs> no! No, well, like a box of wine. Well, yeah. Good for music festivals because you can strap them to you. Oh, can you? Yeah. Is that what you do? Not, well, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. I would, nev- I would never do that. But I'm aware of it happening. <laughs> Um, Good, um, and and we're going to try some. It's just a massive excuse for us to have yeah, a beer it's in the a drink of the on, the, on the. Podcast. What have you got? We've got very similar this week. Yes, I've uh, got a, a Ninkasi blonde, which is a pilsner, and I have got a Ninkasi <coughs> blanche, 
which is a uh, a World Beer Awards gold medal winner. Um, and it is uh, well. What well the, you what get yours opened, code? and I'll just I'll just tell you what. It's got cereals, lich, and pamplemousse in it, <laughs> so that's good. Wow. What this is, this pam- is the brilliant thing is about this. Pamplemousse melon. I've no idea. This is the brilliant thing about this, though. When do you normally it's pick up a beer? and Citra. When do you normally pick up a beer and read the ingredients? About eight a.m. <laughs> no, um, and read the you know turn the because this is what you do with these beers. You go, wow, what's this? You, you great, ain't going to pick they? these up down your local supermarket. Each month, beer fifty-two deliver a case if you subscribe, of course, with a different theme. So we've had Germany. Uh, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, and uh, they they go out, they travel the globe to source these beers, and they're also passionate about the UK craft beer scene, so you get a, a really great selection. Which is great, yeah. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're excellent, aren't they? They really are cool. So open yours and you can have a taste, tell us what you think. Okay, so, oh, that's by keys, that's <laughs> sorry. This, you can the measure of the man who has a bottle opener on his keys. We have had issues with beer. I'm having issues with the lid. <laughs> there issues. we go. Here we've we go. This, I'm, I'm, mine is open. Have a there. taste of that. Oh, I'm going in. Come on. Oh. Oh, oh I've spilt it. Oh, you've not spilt it all over. I've spilt it again. Oh, honestly, you can take. Right, go on. I've got the blonde, and I've got the blanche, and that tastes, that tastes like, <clears throat> that tastes very much like something I would drink on the reg. That is nice, that. It's, it's particularly, a particularly nice um, bière de blé. What does that mean? I don't know what any of it means. Neither do I, but it's good to learn, but isn't I would, it? I would... I was just about to have a, another mouthful of that and then remembered I'm going to be driving <laughs> in about an hour and a half. And you're at work. Uh, and I'm at work, yes. I might pass it on to my uh, <laughs> to the audience. here, to the audience. <laughs> it's really nice, very refreshing. Uh, I like it a lot. So, he can't drive now. No. But then he couldn't drive to start with, so no. that's good. So that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Go to www.beer52, that's beer52.com forward slash new to get your first case of eight beers for free and don't forget if you sign up now you get an extra two unmissable beers for free that's www.beer52.com forward slash new pamplemousse by the way yeah grapefruit grapefruit which i'm getting now i'm getting a little bit of grapefruit from it and uh and that (coughs) is really very nice so nicassi blonde and nicassi blanche Thumbs uh, up. Thumbs up from Beer 52. Thumbs up. Check them out. Yeah, good. Uh, so uh, we were talking where about... Were we? Uh, we were talking about, before the refreshment break, we were talking about uh, <laughs> One Nation Toys. I we think, were. Right? It's a, I think Beer de Blay is wheat beer, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. It is nice, that. I'm planning to drink a bit more of that later on. Yeah, mm. good. After I have concluded my driving, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, now... Um, we were, where were we? We were talking about the One Nation group and their hit single to make you feel my love. But we were also talking about <laughs> this split between Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings, weren't we? Or is it a split between the Sensibles and Dominic Cummings? Boris Johnson is sort of wavering, isn't he? How's he going to get? How is Dom going to get into the Sensibles' Uda? Well, who knows? <laughs> this is, that's a line I never thought I, I'd say. I get the sense that it's not gonna. It's 
it's going to end quickly for Dom and not well. Well, I think that Dom is. It, it, I, I mean, I, yes, I agree. I because think Dominic, but I, I, but as we've said before, I don't think Dominic Cummings had any plans for this to be a long term. No, of course. No. I think if there were to, if there were to be an election, I think he'd probably hang around for that. Why do you think he wants? What are his arguments for having an election now? Um, right now, and we will talk about more about this with Matt Kelly actually. Why does he want one now? Yes, because I think he thinks that will solve the problem. Yeah, he, uh, uh, you know, as as we see there, one minister says we'd cream it. Mm. I think Dominic Cummings, his own polling, is suggesting similar, mm. and I think he thinks then that he can, you know, that's the end of the Brexit debate. We can do it on our terms because we've got the majority. Yeah, I mean, he thinks that he will win against Jeremy Corbyn, which he yeah, so did Theresa will, and he thinks that he will win. Running, against, running on Brexit. Yes, absolutely. The argument against, obviously, is, uh, we, this is what the sensibles are saying, yeah. is we're going to win this in a few months anyway. Yeah. We're going to win by even more if we've delivered Brexit. Yeah. And if the Labour Party put loads of amendments That's on this bill and amend it out of sight, we can then go back to your, back to your Udar and say, all right, we will have a general election that is the people versus parliament. And we'll win that as well. Mm. So why even risk it? Why risk Brexit now? Because look, imagine something happened. Something there's a why risk shock, the general election? There's a shocking revelation in the general election campaign. Or Jeremy Corbyn performs really well again, yeah, which like he did he last, did last time, time yeah, and yeah, momentum yeah. turn out their vote again, like they did last time. Um, and there is a big shock, and Brexit is lost. Why? Why risk it? That is what they're saying. And I think they've got a, a good point. Yeah, I think I would be in that camp as well. I would definitely be in that camp. Uda, uda, stick it up your jumper. <laughs> Almost worked. Uh, what amendments do you think have got a chance of getting through and frustrating Boris Johnson uh, in his plans? Um, I'm just going to make some up now. It's aren't a good you? question. If I, uh, I'd find it very difficult not to just put daft amendments onto every bill. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> every, every, everyone must wear a duck outfit <laughs> <laughs> on Thursdays. <laughs> the Porrick Duck Amendment. That, that put that on every bill. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Porrick's, if that was Porrick's Law, everyone would love that. You'd be really proud, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Porrick's Law. So it sounds like it should be something, you know, so if, if, I don't know if a brick falls off a building and hits you or whatever and you get bricks outlawed, that would be poor slow, but mine would just be dressed like a duck on a that'd Wednesday. That would be good. But maybe they should build up to it and just have sort of, you know, when the, when places of work have like a wear denim day or something like that. <laughs> so what, just start with a bill? Double, yeah, double denim Thursday or double, something like that. Double duck Thursday. Yeah, double duck Thursday. Well, why did Donald, why did imagine if Boris duck? Jo- imagine right. Boris, John- Boris Johnson striding in dressed as Donald Duck without any... <laughs> Because Donald, Donald Duck had nothing on his lower half, did he? That's what I'm about to say. So just a what, blue t-shirt. Just the old, and the little, and the bill. jaunty cap. And a bill. <laughs> and you, you've got to, it's the law, it's porrit law. Yeah, You've got porrit. to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it the dispatch box? <laughs> Quacking. <laughs> the speaker would have to do it as well. <laughs> he would. I think the only person... He would make quite a... He'd be good. He would be. Because so he reminds... Donald gets a bit ruffled. Well, exactly, exactly, Burko's little, you know, his hair is sort of reminiscent of Woodstock, isn't it, from Peanuts? Yeah. But also, he 
imagine with, if he had a little bill on, he would look like Howard the Duck in the, <laughs> in the ill-fated um, live-action film of Howard the Duck. That was a great film. It was not a great film. It's a cult classic. It was a great cult. It was a great comic. If you if you look online now, I bet there's a lot of love for Howard the Duck the film. But but John Burko does look quite like the live-action Howard the Duck. He does. Well, maybe maybe the duck is Parliament's spirit animal. Maybe maybe we could get Howard the Duck to be the next speaker. That'd be fantastic. It would be. He's not put his name into the ring yet. Not yet. But I mean, against Harriet Harman. Maybe. Who, uh, who do you reckon for speaker? Oh, well, I think for lol, the lols, it should be Harman. Yeah. Um, so Henry Bellingham. So Henry Bellingham. I think he, he might get the Tory vote. Mm. Anyway, anyway, we digress. Back but to that ducks. would be two Tories on the run, wouldn't it? Yes, but there is an argument. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> and it's quite a strong it argument. It is quite a strong argument. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was picked by Gordon Brown, wasn't that he? That Labour did, uh, did the Tories over last time and they would be doing them over again. I can't say the, word, the words Gordon Brown without saying texture like sod now. It's become a, it's become a verbal tick. <laughs> so um, you're going to talk to Matt about uh, general elections and how we get there. Yeah, we're going to talk about these amendments, though, aren't we? Um, and we're going to talk about so the customs union. Customs union, that's unlikely, isn't it? Well, I think. Look, people are saying it's unlikely. It. I just the did. idea of it would be, yeah, people like you, people like me. The idea of it would be, we don't have to. It would be an amendment that uh, you don't have to go back and reopen the withdrawal bill now, but in the next negotiations with the with the the EU, you would have to seek a, a customs union as part of the trade negotiations. So it's possible... It's not going to get through those two. It's possible that you could get Brexit. Well, look, look who voted for it. Look who voted. So when it was put down as an amendment yeah. last last week, or, or you know before the timetable bill yeah. uh, failed, Nick Bowles and Ken Clark put it down. Uh, so did Melanie on Snell and... Ruth Smith, mm-hmm. Gareth Snell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you know, that's already five votes out of the the sort of the awkward squad. Thirty six Tories voted for a customs union last time. Now they're not, you know, they're not going to vote for it last time. The independent group uh, all voted against it last time yeah. because you know it, it was basically saying, well, you can have Brexit, but we want a customs union. Yeah. So the independent vote. I think they might vote for oh, it this you're time. You're starting to convince me. Um, and then, of course, there's the DUP, who, yeah. who, you know, one of them said we never voted for a customs union. Oh man. Then Sammy Wilson. Arlene Foster is a duck. <laughs> Arlene the duck. Uh, but then Sammy Wilson appeared to say, well, we might vote for a customs union. Mm. Um, so you just don't know. So just that might go through. All right. The second referendum amendment is never going to go through. Sadly. It's not. Sadly. No. It's not going to go through. It's going to lose by about 30 votes, that. Um, what else you got for me? Workers' rights and environmental regulations. Right. So take Boris it, was so take it out of the list of promises. Yeah. Here's the things that we promise and I put it right that, back in I there. I think there's, you, there's, there's one that will So I think that will, will get through. That will go through. Because basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you, dear listener, will, as you do often and quite rightly, um, but the, there is... There is a slight sort of mention of workers' rights uh, in the WAB, but it's basically a minister will come to the House yeah. and explain 
why our workers' rights are not aligned to Europe anymore. That's basically it. Which yeah. I think you, I think most people would suggest probably needs some toughening up. So yes, that would certainly pass. But I think that would yeah. mean they would have to reopen the existing agreement and tinker around with it, and it would be a. I think that's possible, though, isn't it? That is, that is possible, but it's it's annoying. It's going to delay it. Do you think that that was? done purposely in order to be able to at some point give some ground to I think it might. I think it might have been, yeah. just for that reason. Yeah. The other amendment that they could put down and that could pass, and I don't know how many of these amendments he has to accept, whether he's likely to accept four or five amendments. He probably will do, though, won't he? It's his last hurrah, this, isn't it, before the 31st of October, before yeah. he goes. Yeah. I've got my duck amendment in. Little Howard the duck, mm. is to avoid crashing out... Um, on December, at the end of December 2020, if there's a so to avoid a no deal, yeah, if there is no trade deal signed by yes. December 2020, now that I think could also pass. Yes, I and agree. And if the combination of that passing and the workers' rights and environmental protections things pass, you know, is that Stop. enough to tip the ERG into saying no. actually we can't support this? If it was the customs union, if that did pass, then I think they couldn't support that. Boris Johnson would but the thing not is, support that. But, the, but, the, but if, if Labour starts to back these, then the ERG become an irrelevance anyway. Well, exactly, yeah. So, you know, it's still all to play It is. The this. battle for, for what kind of Brexit we're going to have is, 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 very much, uh, is very much continuing. And then do we want to talk about, very briefly, if... So if that came to pass and Boris Johnson said, well, you've amended this bill with that beyond all recognition... I'm going to now put forward a one-line bill that says we're going to have a general election, yeah. and that to get through is just a straight. But that could have amendments. You, you don't on need it. a two-third. You, you don't need a two-thirds majority. But yes, you're right. That could have amendments. And, on the, it. and that's one of the reasons why people, are, why it won't happen, because one of the amendments could even be to let 16-year-olds have the vote. Well, uh, yes, and also it could be, you know, there are 2 million new EU citizens in this country who don't have a vote. Yeah. Let's give them a vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it could also be for every Thursday during the campaign, you've got to, you've got to quack your speeches. <laughs> <laughs> what a happier world it would be if it me and you were in Downing Street. Oh, I'd probably... You probably want to put me in number eleven. I look after the purse strings. Imagine him writing his letter to <laughs> to Donald Tusk, going, "Of course, I don't really want to have to quack this request for a for a twenty fifth extension. Legally, I have to, but legally, here horrid. is a recording of me quacking." <laughs> Listen. We couldn't be more of a laughingstock in the world <laughs> with the duck bill than no, we, <laughs> we already are. <laughs> okay. Um, you are going to speak to Matt Kelly next, I believe. I am. And then I'll be back for Brexit of the Week. So I'm here with Matt Kelly, who until very recently, was the editor of The New European. Yeah. Matt, what on earth has happened? I've, well, I'm one of very few editors who has voluntarily <laughs> stepped down, um, and I'm now publisher of The New European. Okay. Uh, I mean, if folks don't know, it's never been any of our day jobs, has it, the, the paper? We sort no. of do it on the side of other media jobs we've got, and um, 
We've just landed a very big partnership with Google here at Archant, which is uh, to reinvent local news, and that's going to require an awful lot of attention from myself and Jasper Copping, who has um, been effectively deputy editor from day one, mm-hmm. has, uh, has stepped up and is doing a great job. So the paper is in very safe hands, I hope. Good, but you will be continuing to, to, to be involved. Yeah. Um, Give us a, a, a sort of overview then about where we are now and what the lessons have been of this whole insane journey. Well, I think one of the one of the bizarrely, I think one of the lessons is that our parliamentary democracy might be incredibly convoluted and complicated and and seem archaic, but it it does actually work. You know, I think despite the fact that we've got an extraordinarily lame bunch of of leaders at the moment, Parliament does seem to be able to put the brakes on this when necessary. You know, we've seen seen the timetable uh, thing get blown out of the water. Uh, It's great and reassuring for me that Parliament seems to be uh, strong enough to, to have the guts to say to the government, we are not going to be railroaded by you. You're not going to bounce us into something that we don't want to to do. Um, nevertheless, it 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 does seem that that that's going to cut both ways because there are so many routes towards any number of scenarios happening that it seems completely unpredictable. It's almost like chaos theory. You know, it's it's hitting a snooker ball around a table and then being able to predict where the the yellow is, is going to end up. You mm. know, it's completely unknowable. Um, and we keep saying this, don't we? You know, the next couple of weeks are going to be crucial and all of this. Now it's... <laughs> We've been you know, saying that for three years. I know. I mean, it, it, it does feel like, you know, are we trapped in some sort of, you know, Tron video game where there's no real exit from it and this is now going to be, be our lives forever? I mean, at some point, it, we've all got to remind ourselves that at some point this is going to go away one way or the other. And then we're going to have to deal with with what comes next, and I th- I keep thinking that the the repercussions of Brexit are going to be the thing that historians will look back on in thirty years and and talk about. Uh, Brexit will be seen as a trigger for you know quite a destabilised period of of British history, and I do fear for how we'll emerge from that. You know, this is if you look at the great narrative arc of the British Empire. And all of the the arrogance that that goes with that, I think this may be the last sort of washing out of that that arrogance, and the, what we're left with may be a little bit sort of less than we think Great Britain adds up to at the moment. Yes, um, I mean it is very difficult to say uh, with with any certainty or or any <laughs> even to even speculate about what might ha- happen next. Do you think that things would be different if the leader of the it would have been different if the leader of the Labour Party wasn't Jeremy Corbyn? A hundred percent, because if I mean, you know, if let's let's play fantasy politics and say that Tony Blair was, you know, the emerging leader right now, you know, and there was a great swell of centrist, you know, a broad group of people who were ready to to commit to a Labour government, and. You know, he would be what twenty points ahead of this shambolic Tory government mm. instead of being what is it twelve points behind? And I think if if Labour thought they would win a general election, then that's what we would have had. It we'd have had it by now. 
Yes. And I think the problem Labour's got is that they know if they go to the polls right now, they'll get battered. All this talk about, oh, we were behind last time and then look what happened. Well, the point about that was that Corbyn hadn't had his opportunity to grandstand you know, before then. Mm. And people saw Corbyn during that general election campaign and thought, well, frankly, compared to Theresa May, yes. you look fantastic. You know, I like the sound of what you're saying around nationalisation of certain parts of the of, of, of uh, the railways and all of this business and obviously uh, injecting uh, a lot of uh, investment into into um, poorer parts of the country and all of this so then he so he got a, a, a an upswell of vote but I think that was a one-off I don't think you can do that again because the people have have sat there and now seen Corbyn for a couple of years in you know in in how he operates and the team around him and I think people are really nervous about him. Not the not the left wing of no, the, the Labour love Party. It. They love it. But people like myself, who, are, you know, I've never voted anything other than, than Labour my entire life, he makes me really nervous about about what his agenda is. So that, And there's a lot of people like me, unfortunately, for, for Corbyn. So I think if, if Labour had a different leader and they were doing better, I think the outcome here would be a lot different. Maybe bizarrely, the outcome would be not what I would want, but you know, Labour would have seen it within their um, within the realms of possibility to to campaign on a soft Brexit and to win a general election and to you know then move up, move on. That's what Labour have got to find a way of moving on from Brexit yes. before they go into a general election. Yes, because right now, if they try and fight Boris Johnson on Brexit, they'll get crushed. Because whatever they say is, oh yeah, now our position is clear. The public perception is that their position is anything other than clear. This morning they were talking about, oh no, we want a general election now. That's the preference instead of the referendum mm. that they came out with at the at the conference. Now, I think um, if uh, Boris Johnson gets to a general election before Brexit's settled, he'll... He, Potentially, he could win a landslide. I don't think there's a big groundswell of support for Nigel Farage. I think he's been, you know, on the periphery in the last few weeks, and I don't think he's getting much traction. Might be wrong on that, but I certainly don't think that uh, Labour will be able to beat Boris Johnson uh, as things stand. So they need to get either, you know, uh, they need to get either a deal. That's my biggest fear: is that they will see it as uh, in their interests. The pollsters and the Seamus Milnes will look at it cynically and say, do you know what, let's take the bullet, let's bite it, let's accept a soft deal, and then we can start talking about all the issues that won us the support last time round. But if they're talking about Brexit in the run-up to a general election, they're screwed. Well, I mean, hence the eagerness to um, to, to talk to Boris Johnson, as, as you know they were doing on Wednesday, about yeah. some new programme motion and... And, uh, and and getting it yes, and being the handmaidens of Brexit, um, I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people are, are, are sort of saying, well, at least we might get rid of Jeremy Corbyn. We might lose the election by you yeah. know a land. Boris Johnson might win a landslide, and it might yeah. be five years of Brexit. But at least we might get rid of Jeremy Corbyn, which I suppose is this, is some upside. Is the Tory is the Tory man uh, the the Tories just going to stand just on Brexit? Then is that it? And, yeah, and well, Labour are going to be eager to in a general election. Labour are going to be able, able eager to talk about austerity. 
austerity and ending that, and yeah. the Tories are just going to hammer Brexit, Brexit, well, Brexit. I, I don't think they'll have to. I mean, I think they Boris Johnson will hammer Brexit and portray himself as the Prime Minister who wanted to do the right thing by the people and yes. was hampered and let down. But, you know, if you, if you remember only, like, you know, four, five, six weeks ago, in, in the immediate aftermath of his arrival, they set out a procession of policies that actually read very well, you mm. know, for... In, a lot in of the Labour to, policies, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think they've laid the ground to have, to counteract any accusation that, you know, they are just vicious Tories looking for a Singapore-style, yes. you know, trading island. Um, and you got Sajid Javid there promising extra funding for police, for education, for you know this, that, and the other, for the NHS, hospitals mm. being built left, right, and centre, all undeliverable because there's no money there. And you know, the, if we go out with no deal, there'll be even less money. But nevertheless, they are talking a broad strategy, and I think you know to have. Um, Johnson play this victim role and to say for Christ's sake I want to move the conversation on to to these important things that I'm in a position to commit to and leave Labour talking about Brexit mm, when yes. when you know everyone looks at Labour and knows that they are completely all over the show you know I, I think it's a very clever strategy potentially no you know I'm sure he wants to get to a to a general election as soon as he can. Just finally on this uh, on, on this issue, then um, before we talk about something else that you're you're involved with at, at the moment, um, is there any way that the how can the Tories lose this? Because we, we they went into the last one, didn't they? Have you know twenty points ahead, even more, even further ahead than they are now, and they they contrived to to, to cut that down to, to two or three or three yeah. or four points, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I th- I think the like if we think that the the divisions in the Tory party have suddenly been you know, healed over. That's that's a, a joke. You know, I think they are. There's been this period of concentrated desperation to get to this October thirty first yeah. deadline. So, and everyone's come together. The ERG, the, you know, you even saw that clown Francois. You know, saying, you know, this. I'll, I'll take this. Now, six months ago, he would never have deigned to spit on it. Now, you know, he was prepared yes. to vote for it. But I think now that that. Cut that deadline's gone, and we've now got you know the concertina has opened up again. I think in, internally within the Tory party, there's a lot more room for them to start falling out amongst themselves again. Mm. So, um, I think there could there will be a lot of internal squabbles. Um, uh, I think Labour's best bet would be to just let them get on with it. I don't think the Tories can keep a, a united front for too long because they are not united. So. Mm. But whether they can lose it, uh, to certainly in terms of losing it to a resurgent Jeremy Corbyn, I, I think that's highly unlikely. It is. I wonder whether people actually like Boris Johnson, though. I think um, a lot of people do like him, I don't think you? I'm not entirely convinced. I, I'm not yeah. entirely convinced that when he says we're going to build lots of hospitals yeah. in your leave, Labour yeah. leave constituencies, that, that, that it, even that will guarantee... Yeah, Labour leave. I think a lot of those. I think a lot of the, despite what you've said about Nigel Farage, I think a lot of those people would still consider the Brexit right. party. I think a lot of them will never vote for the Conservative Party. Right. Yeah. Um, but of course, that's what Labour are counting on. Anyway, um, tell me about the uh, the other thing that you are involved with. This, I mean, this is a fairly one sided. Um, 
podcasts. You've got another podcast uh, that you're involved with, which uh, where you are the remain side, and then there is a, you, you do it with a lever, basically. Yeah. What's that? What's that it, about? So it's a podcast that I do with uh, with Mike Graham, who is uh, an old. Pal yeah. of, of both of very us, very quiet, understated <laughs> man. <laughs> and Mike has a terrific radio show on, uh, which is very entertaining on talk radio called the Independent Republic of, of Mike Graham. And I, you know, we I did this thing with the Media Society with Mike about um, can't remember what the topic was. It was something about Brexit. And within literally within two minutes, it, there was me and him on on bar stools in front of a, you know, what looked like a very dignified crowd yes. of people. Turned into a bear pit. It, at, within two minutes, people were literally hurling insults at him of the most raucous kind. Um, and uh, and it just, and I just thought, well, this is, this is mad, but it's also very entertaining. Let's do this every week. And, um, and so we sit down, and actually it's a lot more, it's, it's a lot less violent than that, that opening night was <laughs> but we sit down and we have actually quite good uh, conversations and what's interesting is that you know Mike and I oc- occupy fairly diametrically opposed positions on a lot of stuff but when you talk about things in the round there's an awful lot that we agree on you know mm. and it's it, it it demonstrates maybe to me that that's you know one of the biggest problems in our culture and society politics is that Everything is so polarised, you know, you're lefty, you're right, you know, to be in the middle is seen as some sort of weakness. Uh, People have to hold these really, you know, harsh, dogmatic opinions, some of which get formed as, you know, quick reactions to things, hot takes on Twitter, you know, that suddenly then, because they've said it on Twitter, then suddenly it becomes a bloody white paper nine months later, you know, you can't wriggle out of these these you know hard line positions that you you take and you have to take the hard line positions if you want any volume in the marketplace because there's no there's no appetite for reasoned considered (laughs) debate people are only paying attention to the nutters you know so the, the nuttier you get the more airplay you get so i think uh you know if we could get to a state where there was some sort of forum. I mean, Question Time is an interesting example. Yes. Question Time used to be a really good sort of considered uh, forum for three or four people to give quite long views hmm. on, on, on important topics. Now it is just a soundbite battle between, you know, too many panellists half of which, you know, are totally irrelevant, and the audience. Yes, who are, you militant know, audience. Militant yeah. audience who, who get, keep getting brought in to, to yell things at people. Yes, that's right. And there's no, uh, there's no space anymore for, like, long-form thought, if you think about it like mm. that. It's who, who gets there first with the best soundbite and, and gets everybody nodding, you know. And I think Johnson... Johnson's better at that than Corbyn, for sure. Mm. But there are other people, like Farage is the master of it. Yes. And, and that's where, you know, that's not what you choose your leaders to be, That you know, the wittiest or the, the fastest to a joke, you know. But that's Farage. He's the guy in the pub who can get a laugh out of anything. But you wouldn't want him to drive you home, as they say, you know. Certainly not. So all of that and more is on the Thought Police. Yes. Available on Everywhere. all good, all good podcatchers yeah. of choice. Yeah, and we do two a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. And we sort of record it. It's like half an hour, me and Mike talking crap together about stuff. Good. 
That's, that's sold it. Yeah. If you, so if you want to hear Mike Graham and Matt yeah. Kelly talking crap, that is the Thought Police. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll be back with the Brexiteers of the Week. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. It's time for Brexiteer of the Week. It is time for Brexiteer of the Week. Let, let me start with yeah. John Barron. Oh, yes. Basildon and Billuchy uh, MP. And he was the man who let the cat out of the bag. He did, yes. And he accidentally rallied support for the <laughs> Letwin Amendment on Super Saturday. Um, he basically he told the BBC, didn't he, that Michael Gove and Dominic Raab had given him clear assurance that the withdrawal agreement... He actually said clear assurance. The withdrawal agreement guaranteed that Britain was going to leave on no-deal terms if no trade deal was achieved by December 2020, something that we were talking about earlier on. Cat out the bag, fight against the amendment lost. The reason I've put John Barron in here is not just because of this, but this fantastic quote from the Sunday Times from a, a... appreciative member of fellow member of the ERG he said uh, John Barron is not the sharpest tool in the box in fact he's just a tool uh, John, John Barron incidentally I didn't know anything about John Barron no. uh, Royal Regiment of Fusiliers 1984 to 1987 he went through officer training uh, at the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst wow. so did from the ERG Ian Duncan Smith Bob Stewart what? Leo Doherty, Adam Holloway. Seriously? In fact, the ERG have got... Right, how, what percentage of the population have been in the military, the adult population? Oh, well, look, I could probably figure that out. Um, about 68 million people live in the UK, I believe. Yeah. I think we've got about 100,000 active soldiers. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. So about... Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then two... That, uh, oh, I reckon... Ten, no, seven point two percent. It's five five percent. Oh, so it's about two, right, two and then. a half million people yeah. have been in the uh, adult Britain forces. Adult Britons have been in the forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, about eight percent of MPs have been in the forces. Mm-hmm. Of the ERG, twenty five percent of them have been in the forces wow. at one time or another. That's fascinating. Which sort of explains quite a lot about ERG worldview. I I, I, I tend to think, although of course there are, you know. There are um, ex-forces who are remainers. Clive Lewis is one. There are ex-forces who Rory are soft exiters. Rory Stewart um, is another one. Um, and we're very grateful for the forces' bravery. I tell you, somebody else who was at Sandhurst, and he, he went on a pre-university gap year to Sandhurst, is the Brexit Secretary Stephen Barclay. Yes, I'm aware of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Imagine that for your gap year. Where are you going on your gap year? It's a bit you went like to Ibiza, or, <laughs> well, actually, Sandhurst, actually. Uh, I went to Sainsbury's. And he makes the list because um, in just a few days, I mean, remarkable, he, Stephen Barclay should be basking in the credit of doing this Brexit deal, which, of course, he didn't really have very much to do with. Yeah. Um, you sit there and be quiet, said Dominic. Exactly, said, um, yeah, said uh, Bew and uh, David Frost. Anyway... <laughs> In just a few days, he should be basking in this, this the credit of all this. He has said uh, Mo Mola would have wanted to have got Brexit done, which went down really well in the Commons. He said that Labour had been presented with a cut-and-pasted version of their own Brexit stance during cross-party Brexit talks, and Keir Starmer and Jeremy Corbyn had rejected it. And then he said this in the comments, and mm. Keir Starmer said, that isn't true, you're going to have to withdraw it. And he said, yes, it isn't true, I do withdraw <laughs> it. I mean, what? And then he said in committee that trade between Britain and Northern Ireland 
wouldn't need to be subject to new paperwork. And then somebody from his ministry beeped him, or whatever, paged him, Peeped him and paged him. Wow, what, what year have you travelled back to? I think they tell Or are you, a, or are you a rapper? Yeah, exactly. Because only people yeah. from the late 80s, early 90s, and rappers still Or drug still dealers from pages. the wire. Yeah, they used pages, didn't they? Beepers. Um, uh, yes, I think they, they texted him, sorry, and said that's actually not true. And he had to say, no, that wasn't true either. There will be lots of new paperwork. He then said to the Commons... We want to collude with the British people to respect the referendum and to get Brexit done. Right. Which proves that he can remember the phrase, get Brexit done. Get Brexit done. But he doesn't understand what the word collude means. No. Uh, (laughs) Daniel Kaczynski. Uh, Another classic Dom Dom Cummings ruse, wasn't it, was a couple of weeks ago, he said that um, Dominic Grieve, Oliver Letwin and Hilary Benn had to be investigated because they'd been colluding Stephen oh, Barclay's favourite yeah, word. Got it right. That's with foreign right. powers. Mm. Um, and, uh, foreign powers. Foreign powers, not Stephanie Powers. Or Austin Powers. Or Austin Powers, no. Um, so the, we're going to investigate these people colluding with foreign powers. Up pops Daniel Kaczynski of the ERG <laughs> and says, I've been colluding with foreign powers. <laughs> Me too. too. <laughs> And they said, why have you said that? And he said, oh, I've, I've been trying to persuade the Polish government to veto a Brexit extension and other members of the ERG are working on the Czechs and the Hungarians. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, so very, very good. He said, um, he went on Sky News to defend himself. He said, um, they, they said, you're not going to get this through, are you? And he said, well, no, the problem is that the EU is acting like a mafia cartel. To which Adam Bolton said, well, it's, there have been a, a democratic agreement <laughs> across the table of 27 <laughs> countries. is not really a mafia cartel, is it? Uh, Dick Brain is the runner-up Brexit of the week. Uh, and it is time to toast your marshmallows. It's that time of year, isn't it? Thinking about I, parking. I've never... Oh, I tell you, my second favourite two... F- words yeah. after free beer yeah free parking free parking you know like if you don't have to pay to put your car oh that parking <laughs> i'm talking about the parking you eat on bonfire oh, yeah, night in yeah. the north of england yeah yeah parking uh but you get your marshmallow don't you the bonfire's raging you there's can no marshmallow your, in the north of england you can either, toast so. it on your on your bonfire yeah lighter <laughs> yeah on your lighter um because you kip are nearly done kirsten herriot who's the party chairwoman chairman chairperson uh, has written to members, she said she's had to suspend Dick Brain, who's the leader of UKIP, uh, because of a, an alleged attempted theft of UKIP data. Uh, she also said that he tried to gain access to the head office and she had to call the police again. Uh, what Dick is it Brain, with these people? Dick Brain denies any wrongdoing, of course. Uh, and uh, she, uh, Kirsten Herriot said, so we've had to suspend him. Bit of a shame. Uh, she said what data um, he was trying to... She's, allegedly trying to steal. She said. Uh, she also said, you know, these are quite hard times for UKIP. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pass on something that Neil Hamilton has written, where Neil Hamilton said that Dick Brain's predecessor, Gerard Batten, <laughs> has done for UKIP what Gerald Ratner did for his jewellery company. Um, so our leader's been suspended. We're a load of old Ratners. And then at the end, she put... In the meantime, we're trying to organise a Brexit celebration in Westminster. We will provide more details shortly, but I do hope you'll be able to join us. And what date did she put for the Brexit? It was the 31st of October. Indeed. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's something that you have in a brewery, isn't there? But, um, 
because our boss Simon is listening, we're not going to say that, but remarkable. What a week for you, Kit. But the Brexiteer of the week yeah. is also, he also went to the military academy at some point. Oh, my God. It's James Blunt. What? The singer. The singer, because... Very, um, he used to, uh, he did a, he used to live near, near here. He did an interview with The Independent, which I'm sure he's now regretting. Is he a Brexiteer, he, said, is he? he was asked about Brexit. He refused to say which way he voted or what he believed now. Mm. But he said, my call to arms would be to get the F on with it. He didn't say F. Uh, because our lives aren't going to change. Flip. He said, um, he talked about touring Europe. He said, my tour manager is going to be pissed off that he has to fill in a few more forms. But whatever you do, let's just get on with it because the limbo is killing us. And I wonder if James Blunt's tour manager can fill in a few more forms and sort out workers' rights, frictionless free trade, environmental standards, and the right to live and work in 27 European countries. Well, it'd be good if someone could. But given that his most famous song, which is all romantic sounding and it's a wedding favourite, but it's all really, it's about a pervert on drugs stalking women on the tube, isn't it? And given that he managed to do that, it's not surprising that he looks at the horribly disfigured and pockmarked face of Brexit and he says to him, you're beautiful, <laughs> it's true. So James Blunt is an idiot and a Brexiteer of the week. He's good on uh, Twitter. He is funny on Twitter. He is funny yeah. on Twitter. He is. Um, and uh, I know Steve very well. That this, is dis- this is the same kind of disappointment for you that I feel... For Morrissey, because I've seen you with your Back to Bedlam t-shirt. I know, yeah. I know you love that one about the three wise men living in a house. I don't, don't pretend you don't know, because I know you're a massive I, James Blunt fan. You go on about throbbing gristle. Yeah, and, but really, you know, it's all James really, Blunt. Really, it's James Blunt. Um, Damien... Do you remember him? <laughs> Dave, oh, Damien. Do you remember him? What? Do, the son da- of the Damien devil. Gray, was it? David Gray. David Gray. You, you I used like, to see him on the bus. You when like, I worked in um, West London. Yeah, very big hands. You like uh, singer song Damien Rice. Damien Rice. Singer songwriter. I've never heard a song by Damien Rice. Well, you have. Well, I have. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't. Did. Never knowingly. <laughs> never knowingly. Never knowingly. So James Bond Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, James. That is the first time you've even been in the list, and you've gone straight, straight in at number, number one. one. Brilliant. Hey, we should tweet that out because he'll tweet us something funny back. He will. Get yeah. John on that. Absolutely. Um, James Bond, congratulations. Steve, what should the listener do right now? Uh, if you're James Blunt... Uh, come on the pod. Come on the come, podcast. You, we, we, give us a call. We'd love to have you on the pod, James Blunt. Uh, or if you're James Blunt's tour manager, that'd be even better. But if you're not James Blunt, you can leave us a nice review on your podcatcher of choice. Don't, you if you are James Blunt, don't, re- don't, don't leave us a nasty one saying oh. the sound quality is no good just because <laughs> we slagged you off just then. That would be unfair. Just cause it, don't say I could hear his son clearly writing his essay in the background. What is this nonsense? Well, um, yeah, we're still you know, the lot's got to do his work sometime. Um, and uh, you can uh, follow us on Facebook. You can. Is that what uh, you do on Facebook? No, you can like us on Facebook, yeah. can't you? And you can join the New European it, Readers Group you can. Uh, on Facebook. You can follow us, however, on Twitter at mm. the New European. You can follow us home. You can follow us. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S A N G L E S E Y. Or you can follow me at Porritz, P O R I T. You're beautiful, it's true. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you ever so much for listening. It means the world to us. If you haven't already, go out and buy the printed product. There is lots in it. Politics, as you'd expect. Brexit, 
shock horror. But there's lots of arts and culture as well. It is a fantastic buy at £3. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, grab your bagpipes and play for us. Here you go. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.